welcome back, everyone, to another RLT Pivot Podcast. My name is Tracy. It's so good to have you here. I am once again joined with my co-host, Mr. Dan Jansen. How are you, sir? Doing great. Good to be back, as always. We got an awesome guest for you guys. We got Steve Orr, a.k.a. Mr. Big B in the house. Uh, very knowledgeable guy. Been doing this game for a while now, so... Uh, I don't want to say too much. Let's get right into it. Introduce uh, Steve. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? It's so good to have you here, Steve. Doing great. Doing great. Uh, give us tell tell us who you are, and and I mean, like I said, you have an extensive background of uh, pretty much everything financial, everything Wall Street. Uh, tell us tell us kind of how you got there, or tell us how you got here. Actually, what 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 is the steps? that you kind of took and, and your background of, of what even got you involved in the industry in the first place? Oh, uh, well, thanks, Dan and Tracy. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on the show. I mean, uh, real life traders, they're, they're the best. I mean, Jeremy Newsom is a fantastic human being. I just want a half of his energy when it comes to the markets. But, you know, when I was a kid, there were so many people, you know, as, a, as children, they wanted to be astronauts or firefighters. Hell no, I wanted to be a stockbroker. Uh, back then, nobody even knew what a stockbroker was. So my dad and mom didn't really know what to do with me, right? My mom was a pharmacist and uh, they thought I was going to go to the family business. And uh, so they set me down in front of my uh, my stockbroker that they had for their time. And I was about eight or nine years old. And the broker at the time told me, uh, shut up, kid, and sit down on the couch and be quiet. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. I'm just a kid, man. Um, but uh, I asked the really important questions, you know, like, uh, you know, it, I have, we had friends. I'm from Southern Illinois, from from ADM, Archer Daniel Midland, and I asked them how how's their corn doing. I mean, I was only eight or nine years old, so I was very excited to, about the markets. And you know, when I see the world, I see it a whole different way than everybody else does. And I see it in pricing, right? I go to I go to a store like Walmart or Sam's Club or Target. I, I oh wow, things are calling up in price. Okay, I'm I need to buy this stock. So I felt that way even back then, right? And so as I got older, and I say older, uh, sixteen. 17 and 18, I wanted to trade commodities. And so I'm from Southern Illinois. So corn and soybeans were prevalent everywhere, right? Pork bellies being uh, pigs and uh, cows everywhere as far as the eye could see where I'm from. And uh, it made sense, right? People eat uh, bacon and, and steak and, uh, you know, that's the kind of things you traded. But then I wanted to get a little deeper than that. I wanted to learn bonds and I wanted to understand the financials. And one of my rules of trading is, is also that the whole world matters. And so I wanted to see how, you know, if something happens in Russia, how does that affect us? If Japan has, a, you you know, my dad always says, if the United States has the has the sniffles, the world has the flu. Uh, you know, and, and in that aspect, I had to figure out just exactly how the whole world worked. Well, I turned about, uh, barely turned 18. My mom let me uh, buy my first shares of, of Disney when I was about 16, 17. I got my first, still have it today, my first uh, dividend check from Disney. I think it's like 38 cents, but I, still, I had it framed, and I was like... Back in 1992, 91. And um, so um, by that time, I was able to drive, and I would drive in two hours a day to go learn commodities uh, out of western Kentucky at a little town called Sturgis, Jesse Curry Commodities. And um, I traded commodities at the ripe old age of 18 um, when nobody understood uh, how the TED spreads, treasuries versus the euro dollars. I was learning TED spreads when 
you know, and of course I was going to college at the same time and then playing baseball and everything else I was doing. It was a lot. Um, so I decided it, but then in 1992, uh, my life took a little bit of a turn. Um, I went to go work on a campaign, uh, for a young guy named, uh, governor Bill Clinton. And, uh, we ended up winning the white house, not once, but twice. And so off I went to Washington, DC. My, my life was set to go to New York. Um, but, uh, I ended up going to, uh, to uh, DC instead and having a wonderful time. <laughs> I guess you can only imagine what the white house and the state department and places like that were like in DC. I had, I had a, a pretty good time, but one of the cool things about that I learned from there is how the world worked, right? I got to be right at the levers of power. I understood how, you know, trade worked and I understood it from, from the, from the commerce department side of it too. Right. Um, you got to see how trade works and how things are priced and, you know, and of course now we have a supply chain issue, right? I understand the supply chain. That's why I'm able to understand where the breakdowns are, not just, Oh my God, there's a supply chain issue. Now I understand how the breakdowns work and where they are and, and how to fix those problems, uh, which we're not right now. A um, little fast forward a little bit. I'm still trading. Obviously I'm still trading heavily. I ended up deciding I was going to hang out down in the islands a little bit, uh, Key West, that's that area. Uh, I worked for the PGA tour in uh, major league baseball, NFL, that kind of thing. Um, uh, doing software and trading at the same time. And I learned to trade silver. That was my big silver and gold was my big thing at the time. There was a little company called Aleron. And then um, long story short, I got tired of all that and I went back to DC, um, but I was still trading. And then um, in the trading time, I was like, you know what, enough of this. I want to trade for myself again, because I know how to do it. I want to retire. And I did that. Uh, but then I ended up working for a company called money.net. Um, eventually came the senior vice president there and then the company exploded. We were busy, busy, busy. And then unfortunately the, uh, the owner there and one of my dearest friends, uh, passed away. And so I uh, ended up going, um, with one phone call to Benzinga, became the senior vice president there at Benzinga. Uh, I was there a while and then money.net got bought out of uh, bankruptcy and we have an amazing uh, team here now at money.net. Um, I am now the chief strategy officer where we are really gaining where other companies are not doing so well in this downturn. Uh, we are exploding. Uh, life is pretty good here. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that we had to look at was, you know, look, it's okay when as a, as a trader, you know, can you have two jobs? Can you be something else and still trade? And the answer is 100% yes. In fact, I recommend it. I don't expect everybody just to stay at home and trade all the time, right? Because you have to be out in the public. You have to understand um, how things work, right? I mean, gosh, when I went to Sam's Club the other day and I saw what a gallon of milk cost, I was, I was a little shocked because I, I saw that that inflation right on that. And so I think a lot of ways that that makes me a much better trader when, when you're out in the public. And I think it's the Peter, as I always say, it's the Peter Lynch uh, way of trading, right? Um, buy what you know. Now, Steve, that it, you've got such a huge, extensive background that, that, uh, that experience is invaluable and has made you um, or given you some insight into trading that not everybody's going to have. Now, you said that the world matters. And at an early age, you were able to recognize the relationships of price and products and commerce that I think is kind of a gift that you have. Now, for a lot of newer traders, that's a hard thing to gain. What would be your biggest recommendation on being able to learn those types of relationships other than what you've already suggested, which is being out in the actual world? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is you have to go back to the beginning where um, the book uh, One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. Uh, I recommend reading that. 
you know, look, Peter, Peter Lynch, if you read the book and I'll give a little synopsis was he carried uh, golf clubs at a, uh, as a caddy for some of the richest people in the world, including uh, the head of fidelity at the time, you know, and, and he, uh, he got, he grasped it too. He would go to the grocery store with his wife at some points and he would see, uh, I think at the time he was talking about pantyhose. He saw his wife picking up pantyhose off of the shelves and he's like, I should buy that company, Haynes Brands, right? And of course he did. Um, you know, just being out in the public is important, right? Understanding, look, everybody knows what the price of gas is because we see it, right? That's the most complained commodity we have on the earth. But the truth of the matter is to get the gasoline, we have to crack it up. And, you right. know, in, the, in that crack spread, you have to understand it. How do we get there? Refineries, we got to get there. And it's a whole thing. And, and of course, I'm an, I've been an oil trader a very, very long time. Um, in the past, even owned oil wells because I knew when to buy and when to sell and when to get in and get out. Um, before the 2008 crash and before the 19, I was out of oil because I felt that oil had peaked. Um we know when gasoline's peaking right it's now because the price is so high, right? That's what I'm saying, right? When when things don't under we, for my own self, when I don't understand something, and I'm I'm a kind of a math whiz in a lot of ways. When I can't understand something, when the numbers don't add up, and as I always say, numbers matter. When they don't add up, something's wrong. That's what the trading is all about. Trading is all about one thing: finding the misplacement of money. So what I mean by that is if the price of an apple today is $2, tomorrow is $10, that's a misplacement of money, right? $7 too high. Then it's time to short it, right? But if an apple gets down to 50 cents, it's too damn cheap. So it's time to buy. And that's why stocks are so important or equities are important because they're everyday life of, of, of companies, right? We just saw several meme stocks explode in price and go back right back down because they didn't make any sense, right? MEGL the other day hit $250 a share. Um, that's worth more than the top Fortune 20 companies, right? And some companies, that doesn't make any sense. Guess what? The stock's down, you know, almost 100%. So that's the kind of difference that I always tell people to do, especially if you if you haven't got that background or that I call it the pedigree in finance, you don't need it. In fact, number two is uh, when you're on Wall Street, the number one um background you need to have outside of a finance degree. Most people already have a finance degree. They're looking for psychology. They're looking for a psych degree because that's what the market is. It's the psychology. Um, if, I always say, well, don't chase the markets because that's the dumbest thing in the world, right? You start chasing, you'll end up getting hurt. You may win one or twice, but you're going to get beat most of the time, right? I always believe in one type of trading and that's thesis trading. And what do I mean by that? Thesis trading is when you have an idea, when you say, okay, look, I think this and this should happen. So, for example, my new thesis is robotics. I think robotics are going to be very big in the future. So I'm already starting to place my portfolios into robotic stocks because I think that's it, right? I don't like playing ETFs that much. I may, I may play them for options, obviously, like everybody else. But I like the best in class. And so I look at ETFs and then I break down from that ETF, for example, in robotics, BOTZ is the big ETF there. I'll break it down the top 25 companies and then I'll go research those companies. That made it so much easier than me going out to a robotics company and looking at a robotics company and go, oh, I like this company. I'm just going to try to to use platforms and software that makes it a lot easier for me, like money.net. And so I, I want to break down the numbers and I want to break down, you know, what their thoughts are. And I also want to break down the most important, I think, is management. Um, two things in a company that we should always be looking at is um, cash flow and debt 
those important things. And number two is management. And I, what I don't mean by got to have some high powered Harvard lawyers being your management, it's whether or not they can execute on that idea, right? If their if their product is Apple, um, Tim Cook better better get you a new Apple product, right? That's kind of how I look at things, right? And so I look at management and I look at cash flow. Kind of reminds me of a guy like, named Warren Buffett, but uh, I, I try not I try not to be like Warren and Peter. I try to be like Big Beat and you know me. But it, it always ends up down to the basics, right? Um, a good example of that would be when the market fell here 35 40% and stocks were way priced the wrong way. I was buying dips, right? I was looking for good companies that have been beaten up. And I'm up 50, uh, almost 57% this month in my portfolio. Mm. Now, back in 2020, when we had the COVID drop, because I felt that the the bounce off that COVID drop put a lot of companies into exactly what you were saying, which it didn't make sense. They were overvalued based on their, their PE ratio, what they made, their, their debt, all that kind of stuff. But yet they went up with everything else. So this major correction that we've had in the last five months, six months, would you say that has more to do with the initial bounce off that 2020 or the fact that we are actually into a bear market? That is a that's a fantastic question, Tracy. Um, I remember um, that in two thousand and seven and eight, I was banging the table with my fists, saying "Get the hell out of the market" because it didn't make any sense. These home prices were outrageous. Um, I've I've got friends that wrote the, write the, the paper, the big short paper. Um, it was it wasn't making any sense. Home prices were way out of line just because you can go sign a piece of paper um, and get a get a house it doesn't make any sense mispriced homes, right? Um, but at that time, it wasn't about the home prices out of range. It was a uh, lack of liquidity in the markets for homes. When we come here mm -hmm. to uh, the next the next one, which was 2019, I was like, I was banging the table then, get the heck out of the market, right? Uh, because the prices were too high. Um, I sat on my hands a little bit. Um, and then when 2020 came around with COVID, um, I was sitting there with a, with a ton of cash ready to, to, uh, to infuse it in the market. I, I didn't know when to buy. I kept getting nervous because uh, I wanted to buy, but COVID kept hitting. We saw numbers. And then Bill Ackman comes on CNBC screaming his head off that the market's going to hell in a handbasket. The world is over. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just, it's just flu. I mean, it's, it's not good and people are dying. It's unfortunate. It's sad, but the world isn't over. We still have to eat. We still have to do those things. And so I put money to mark to market immediately that day. Um, and of course that was the very bottom of the market at that point. Um, I, I don't believe in luck or hope. I believe in numbers. I believe that, you know, things are mispriced. Now let's fast forward to when the, the meme stock started hitting the AMC and GME started going nuts. Um, that didn't make any sense to me, but don't worry. I was playing it too. I was buying AMC and GME like everybody else. Um, I was buying the options because I felt that that was the hot thing, and I did. Um, I was well ahead of the game. I, I believed and I still believe that most people do not understand options. They understand how to buy naked puts and calls, but they don't know how to put spreads on. They don't know how iron condors work or things of that nature. And I believe that education um, is the most important thing when it comes to the stock market and equities and trading. And I don't mean going to 
Harvard. I meant learning the markets. And you can't learn the markets in three months to a year or two years. You've got to really day in and day out, like real life traders, you've got to be in this game. You've got to understand. You've got to listen. You've got to have your ear to the ground. And I did. And so when I started to see the markets get out way out of price, I started to pull off uh, money. Now, unfortunately, I didn't take all of it off because I really couldn't see the future that heavily. If anybody can, I've got a nice crystal ball behind me. You can shine up for me. But the truth of the matter is you don't, right? And so when we saw this last pullback of 25, 30%, um, you know, I was still still fairly heavy. Um, I was, you know, taking it and buying dips. Um, I didn't like those dips, but I knew that the prices were way out. Now, when we see it and we saw it fall here uh, pretty heavily, then I was like, okay, now it's really time. So I am long right now. Uh, I think a lot of people ask me, and I have this philosophy right now is buy the dip, sell the rips, and it's been working. And I'm looking for companies that have been beaten up. I think you just said that, Tracy, correctly, and beaten up, and I've been buying them, right? When Walmart fell 9%, 10% in one day, that's nuts. Um, look, and then I bought it, and the next two days later, I sold Walmart, sold half off, and, and get to sleep very nicely the next day. So I think that's what's important. You don't have to have a a Yale or Harvard degree to be a trader. You just got to have the patience and, um, you know, don't chase the market. Let the market come to you and make some, make some, make some good placements of money. Um, and don't be, don't be so hard on yourself when you do get beat up. But uh, when you, because a lot of times, I mean, people ask me all the time that I have ever lost money to market. And I was like, oh, oh, hell yes, I have. <laughs> um, I remember one time, the very beginning when I started trading commodity, lost $10,000 in one day in 1992. Um, that's a lot of money. Um, my parents were not happy with me, but uh, I considered that an education too, right? Sometimes losing money is a good thing. Uh, I don't like making money and not understanding why. If I lose money in the market, I want to know exactly why I did that. Write it down so I won't do it again. And and I, I have a, a list of rules. I'm happy to give those to you that I, I live by, um, the big beats rules of trading. And I, and I stick by those. And every time I make a mistake, I look at my rules and go, oh, yeah, I missed one here. You got to go back to the drawing board. So, and then I think that's also a key too. Hey, look, I've been trading 32 years. I still make mistakes, and and I don't, I don't ever want to not make mistakes because you know what? The best part about this market is there's always something somewhere. You can always a game somewhere. The only answer to that is being ahead of the game, right? When when the stocks are, are trading their fun. That's great, but that's going to dry up soon, right? The equity is going to dry up. Then it's options, right? Well, right now, I think the next level is futures. I think futures are going to be hot. Why? Because you can lever up with them even more, and I think they're going to move into that. And why not be ahead of that game? Why not learn uh, futures markets? Because you know what? Those futures commodities run the rest of the world. Oil and, 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 and equities, especially when it comes to the commodity market, you're going to see oil markets bouncing around, right? You're already seeing interest rates running around with with uh, the T-bonds and treasury and T-bills and, and, and currency. The currency markets are all out of whack right now. So there's a big leverage there too as well. Now, with, with your background, because there's, I, I think a lot of traders struggle with this a lot, is they're, they're looking at a longer term perspective or they're, they're trying to figure out what how how commodities could affect uh, affect a different sector and things like that, and you have a lot of sympathy plays, and they're they're seeing the wars break out, they're seeing monkeypox come out now, and whatever the case. How does that? How do you keep the aspect of a long term perspective on things, but also understand the day to day movement and the smaller time frame trades? How, how does do they do they all affect each other, or are you looking at more technicals when it comes to shorter term basis? 
So on a shorter term basis, yes, I am looking at technicals and technical analysis. And yes, I know every, I highly expect everyone to understand Japanese candlesticks and all of the indicators, because if your indicators are the same on your, your charts as they were two years ago, you're not doing it right because you need to be able to be elusive enough to understand that different indicators should be applied at different times, whether vol if volatility is up, RSI is more important, right? If you are um, looking in a tranche where you're trying to push the stocks up, then I think you need to look at a rune or things of that nature that 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 follow trends, right? Um, if you're looking at MACD, MACD was great um, about six months ago, but MACD is probably not as strong right now as other things could be on. So I always say that. Uh, when it comes to the news, um, I always say I have two index fingers and I stick one in each in each ear, um, because it's a big look. Talking heads are fantastic, including myself, right? Um, but they only can tell you about what happened in the past. If you hear them talking about a stock or uh, equities and they're not paying attention, they're probably talking their own book up. And that's what I think there's a lot of problems when it comes to the talking heads out there because they're either talking their own book up or they're they're not really giving you the full discount behind why their thesis is of why they bought this this equity. And that's a problem, right? I like XYZ company because this, this, and this, but they don't really get into deep dive of 30 minutes of talking to me about, okay, how's the cash flow? Uh, how's their debt to equity? Is it, is it high? Is it low? They may give me an opportunity to go look at something. Okay, I'll go look at it. But I, I'm not a big fan of, I mean, I like, the, I like a lot of those guys. I'm friends with a lot of the talking heads. But the truth of the matter is um, sometimes they're, they're, they're a little bit behind the game when it comes to news. That's why I'm saying have a thesis and, and understanding where the market is going in the future and not in the past. And um, I also think as a new trader that they need to be um, – need a mentor, right? Somebody who has done this a long time to help walk them through. That's why I like real life trading so much. It's great because you guys have a lot of mentorships, and I, I love that part of it, right? I mean, Jeremy Newsom is just immaculate. If you ever hear his story – Story, right? He's picking blackberries, right? He, did, he didn't know anything about Apple, um, but he did that, right? Him and his dad, he bought that. Why? Because his thesis was he thought the company was going to do quite well in the future and he bought it, right? That's the whole background idea of, of real trading, of real investment. Um, and an investment should only be one part of, of making money. I believe it's wealth. Wealth management is the most important thing between that and risk management. You need to understand that once you make money, put that money to work, right? Um, stick it away. I did something for the first time I haven't done in decades, and that's, that's buy mutual funds, right? I don't normally buy mutual funds. I like to trade. But you need to build wealth. You need to have you know, long-term. If your trading portfolio is all you're doing, then there's something wrong. You need to have a, a, a you know, protection for the future. Um, people always ask me, you know, I think even Jeremy asked me not too long ago, um, you know, what's the best place to, to stick your money that you make? And I, it's an art, <laughs> you know, buy art because art always goes up unless you blow it up or something, but art always goes up. Um, and in real estate, right? But sometimes real estate goes down. Wealth is about the all of your wealth put together, right? It's about all of the different pockets you have. So if, the, if your housing prices go down like they are now, right, the stock market goes up, your wealth has stayed the same. Make sure that you have that, that, that uh, you balanced out a little bit better. Uh, once again, I was talking to Scott Bauer over at Prosper Trading, right? And um, I also was talking to uh, from Drive Wealth um, about you know, risk reward. This last, as you were asking Tracy earlier about the drop in the market, 
we're building bottoms, right? So there's your risk reward. And so if you're putting your stops in below that last, you know, triple bottom there, and that's what you're, that's what you're risking, the reward's probably better. And that's, that's how you build wealth um, is, is, is finding those opportunities like that. Speaking, speaking of art, is that a uh, Thomas Kincaid painting behind you? Is that what that is? <laughs> it is not. Oh, all right. <laughs> no, I have. I've got. I've got every type of artist in the world. Whatever I see on my wall, I usually change it out. <laughs> I think it's a Dwyer, and I think that one is uh, Ilieva. And I've, on this one, I got some Peter Maxes here too, as well. But uh, I, 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 I love art. <laughs> yeah, you loaded up in the art department. Yeah, well, buying buying assets and uh, things that go up in value is typically good for for building wealth. I, I typically talk to to a lot of traders, um, both in the mentor group and also on the mic about. Um, because, because trading is such a small aspect of, of it. I mean, that's, that's your income, but using that to generate and actually grow wealth. I think that's, that's part of the key because you could, you can make income by getting a job. You can get yeah. start a business. There's plenty of ways to make income and it doesn't matter. I, I think, um, what was it? Uh, I forget his name. Is it Robert Kiyosaki from uh, rich, rich dad, poor dad? Oh uh, yeah. Kiyosaki. Yep. So I know he's talked about like, you don't have to have a six figure income job to be a millionaire, right? It just depends on the money you make of what you, what you do with it. And I think that that's an important aspect. Yeah. When people ask me down all the time, like, how much do I need? I always ask them, well, I don't know. How much do you need? Um, the truth of the matter is it, it's, it's easy to break it down, right? There's 225 trading days a year. If you, if you want to make a hundred thousand dollars, Break it down by 12, because that's 12 months, right? So there's what your month, monthly nut you have to bring in. And then you have to divide that by roughly 20, roughly 21 to 22 days, depending on the trading days. And, and, and from there, you can figure out how much you need to, to do to trade a day. And I, and I know what my number is. You should always have a number if you don't. Now, when you have found your number, all right, and you don't make it that day, do not think you have to make double the next day, Okay. Just shoot. As I always say, I love, I love baseball. I'm a Cardinals fan. Um, I always say when you're trading, just go for singles. Hit singles, hit doubles all day long. You'll do it. You'll hit the grand slams all the time, and you'll do it when you don't even know about it, right? One of them not too long ago was Upstart, UPST. Um, it had gotten crushed. I'm like, easy win here. Let's buy some Upstart here, UPST. I did that. Um, but then, you know, it jumped 17%, and I'm like, you know what? I'm out, uh, you know. Again, the day it jumps even further. I didn't get upset because I knew what my what my number was. I wanted to get out. I'm out. And so I'm okay with that. On to the next one. Why? Because there's 9,874 equities in the world, um, just in the United States. I'm sorry. And, and you, you, there's always an opportunity somewhere. So I'm not too worried about too much. That is great point. And I would like to hear the rest of the big beats rules. <laughs>